0: You know, one of the things that I, I do absolutely love about this time of year is I love it when the radio station start just playing Christmas music. This is about the only time of year when I will personally I tune off of talk radio or sports radio or secular music and I just find myself drawn to Christmas music. And I even find myself a little bit sad, you know. As the new year rolls around, I, I miss it when 96.5 stops playing Christmas music. Because there's just something about those old Christmas songs that they really touch our hearts. They, they take us back. They, they, they make us remember our childhood. They touch our hearts in very special ways. What they really do a lot of times is they, they make us think about Christmas as we think it ought to be. A song like, I'll be home for Christmas, whether you're home today or not. A song like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, even when you live in Alabama and you know the likelihood of that is like slim to none, right? But but it's still what you think you want it to be or, or what you hope it ought to be. And, and so those songs, man, those songs, they, they just really touch our heart and they make our heart smile. And they make us think of things that, well, they make us think of a life that we think could be a better life. The way we think life ought to be. The birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus is also something that should help us see that this life, it can be better. It can be better than what we know It can be better than what we may understand. I'm going to take us now over to Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read beginning there in verse 1. Now, it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabitant earth. That was the first census taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger.'" And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. The birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus gives us a much better view of history itself. Because you see, the birth of Jesus occurred at a very specific point in the course of human history. In Galatians chapter four, it says there, beginning of verse four. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son. We just read Luke chapter two and verse one. There, it mentions Caesar Augustus. There, it mentions Quirinius the governor. Why are these names mentioned? Because Luke's a historian. And as he's writing the Gospel, he's making sure to lay out for us this understanding of who these very real people were in the course of human history. So we could understand and know that at this point in time, the birth of the very Son of God occurred. That He is a real person. You see... There's a lot of religions in this world that are based on feelings, that are based on the idea of someone having a vision. They're not real. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Son of God. There's only one God in the flesh. There's only one Messiah. There's only one King. And He came at a very specific point in time. And He has changed the course of human history as we forever know it. Only God in His providence (laughs) would make sure that at the right time, a Caesar, one leading Rome, would call this census to take place which would force this, this couple to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, about a 90 mile journey. They didn't drive there. They they didn't hop in the car and get on the interstate and and get there about an hour and a half later without being inconvenienced at all. Ninety miles. Very pregnant. (laughs) Ninety miles to go to this place so that the prophecy of God would be fulfilled that Jesus would be born not in Nazareth where He grew up, but Jesus would be born in Bethlehem as the prophets had prophesied some 700 years before. Jesus also gives us a much better way of viewing God Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our world today that don't believe in God. And frankly, even more tragic than that are the number of people who claim to believe in God, but don't live like they really believe in God. You know what I'm saying? There are those even maybe among us who would say, sure, I believe in God. Sure, I call myself a Christian, but I don't really live for God. I'm still going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. That is a tragic thing. Because you are not, nor am I. King of my own life. We have a Lord and we have a Savior who has come into this world. He has given us a very different perspective of who God is. Our God is not dead. Our God is alive. Our God is not buried in a tomb somewhere. That tomb, that tomb that David spoke of just a few moments ago, that tomb He resurrected from, that tomb was left empty. Jesus came to this earth because, you see, he loves us so much that, that he wanted to be able to show us in his life how to live, how, how to love one another, how to treat each other, how to live this life in a way that is pleasing to Father God. And, and, and if we ever find ourselves wondering, God is like. The Creator of the universe. Our Heavenly Father. What He is like. All we have to do is look to His Son. We look to Jesus. And there we can begin to finally understand who God is. We see how Jesus lived His life. We see how Jesus sacrificed. We see how Jesus served. We see how Jesus loved. Then we finally begin to have a much better understanding of who our Heavenly Father really is. Through the birth of Jesus, we also have a much better understanding of salvation. When we were outside of Christ, when we were without Jesus, there was no hope. Hope is a lot bigger word than maybe attached to a Christmas card. Hope is a very powerful thing. Hope is that which we hold on to, that gives us an assurance of the unseen. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Outside of Christ, there is no hope. There's no hope of rescue. There's no hope of redemption. There's no hope of salvation. Without Jesus, there is no hope. But in Christ... In Christ we have someone that that who will give us a second chance. Someone who can, through his blood and through that sacrifice, he can offer to us salvation. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need that grace. We all need that mercy. We all need that forgiveness. And you know what? It's free. You can't buy the salvation of God. You can't purchase the blood that Jesus shed. He gave it to you and to me. He gave that to all mankind. I don't know what you woke up to this morning under the tree. I hope it was something you were really excited about. But please understand that the gift of Jesus and the salvation that is offered only through Him, that that is greater than any physical present that you will receive today, yesterday, or forever. The birth of Jesus also gives us a better view when it comes to our purpose in this life. He's the Messiah. He's Lord. He's Savior. That means He calls the shots. Not us. We sometimes get wrapped up in living our life the way we want to live it. We think that we can call the shots. We think we can do whatever we want to do. It does not work that way. We have a Savior who has told us how to live and what our purpose in this life is and that our purpose is so much greater than even we are. And I know that's hard for us to fathom sometimes because we think that we are the center of the universe. We think that we were the one in control. We think we are the ones who can fix all the problems as they occur. But we can't. Jesus said there's two things. Two things that are so very important when it comes to living your life and me living mine. He said in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this you shall love your neighbors as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's why. That's why when someone slaps us, we turn the other cheek. That's why when someone hates us, we pray for them. That's why when someone curses us, we bless them. That's why we do the very things that feel so contrary and so backward to what our gut instinct is in those moments. We do the things Jesus did as Jesus did them because He set that ultimate example for all of us. Our purpose in this life is absolutely never fulfilled as long as we are always striving to do what we want to do. Because whenever our path in this life is just totally focused on self, I'll go ahead and tell you the end result over and over again. It's going to be emptiness, loneliness, and misery. You can chase every self-centered path of this life. Every single one of you will take you to that same destination. Emptiness, loneliness, misery. If you don't believe me, I speak from some experience, but if you don't believe me, you keep chasing those self-centered paths and you'll learn the hard lessons I've learned and so many before us have also learned. And unfortunately, so many after us will also learn. Being one who seeks only self, emptiness, loneliness, misery. But when Jesus is actually king of your life, when Jesus is actually your purpose, you find fulfillment You find joy, like we're about to talk about in a moment, you find fulfillment and joy and peace and contentment and so many spiritual blessings that you could never have fathomed before He became your King. The birth of Jesus, it gives us a better outlook on joy. The arrival of Jesus brought such great joy Joy is not found in living for money or power. Joy is not found in in like the old song, you know, living for the weekend, right? That's not joy. That's not where true joy is found. True joy is only going to be found in Christ and in Christ alone. Listen, sin... And the things of this life, there is no doubt. I'm not going to stand here for one moment today and try to make you believe that sin isn't a little bit fun. If it wasn't a little bit fun, it wouldn't be a problem, okay? Sin can definitely be a little bit of fun. But the problem with that little bit of fun is it don't last. That's the problem. The problem with that little bit of fun that doesn't last is it could cost you your soul. And then you're not talking in terms of passing. You're talking in terms of eternally. You could be separated from God because of the fleeting pleasures of this life. That's not joy. That's not the path any of us should want to be on. But that's the path that many in this life find themselves on. That's the path that many of us as Christians find ourselves struggling with. It is we struggle with always searching for the happiness of this life because we, we get lost in our mind and we forget how powerful and how wonderful the joy of Christ really is, how wonderful the joy of Jesus in our life is because we're always longing for that that physical happiness of this world and we know how quickly it goes away and we know how quickly we're looking for the next thing to kind of fill that void and how do I know that's true I know that's true because I've experienced it my whole life just like many of you have how do I know here's what I know today is a big big day there was a lot of happiness this morning give it two weeks Give it two weeks, you'll start thinking about next Christmas. You know what I should have asked for. You know what I meant to ask for. You know what I'm asked for come my birthday? You know what I'm asked for come next Christmas? Yeah. Because whatever you just got, it's not going to keep you happy, does it? Because it was never meant to. It's temporary. It's something of this life. It is not designed to fulfill you and give you purpose. It's not meant to give you joy. It may give you a few hours and a few days of fleeting happiness, and that's fine. But the things of this life, the people of this life, will never provide you eternal joy. Only Jesus Only Jesus will give you that joy. In a few moments, Mark is going to lead us in a medley of songs. And I hope that as we sing those songs, I I hope we allow the unchanging truth of those songs to resonate in our hearts and in our minds and, and that we know how powerful those songs are. Because sometimes what can happen in this life is songs such as these, which which I believe should be sang all year long, okay? Because I think they're so powerful. And I think the message behind them is so powerful. But what can happen is, is we do hear them so many times, whether it be on the radio or our playlist or a CD we have at the house, whatever it may be, we hear these songs over and over again. And the meaning, the meaning starts to get lost the meaning starts to get lost around all of the, the hustle and bustle and the decorations and the entertaining and the gift buying and, 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 and cooking and, and everything else that goes with this season. All those things sometimes can really drown out how powerful, how essential, how absolutely life is changing the birth of Jesus really is. In World War II, there was a, a man by the name of Ernest Gordon. Now, Ernest wrote a book about being a prisoner of war in Burma during World War II. It became a very popular book writing about his time there as a, a prisoner. And he wrote about how just horrible and how humiliating the prison camp was. But he went on to write, there was one day, one day that they actually gave the prisoners off at the prison camp. And it was Christmas 1944. And of course they were exhausted, they were starved, they were, many of them beyond recognizing because of the horrible conditions that they had endured. And so they were thrilled just to have this day off at the prison camp. And and he said that many of them were just huddled around a couple fires just trying to stay warm and not freeze to death. And he said that one person, one one prisoner, started singing about the birth of Jesus. And then he said that that several other men joined in. (laughs) Several prisoners singing together about the birth of Christ. He said that was the absolute most spiritual day of his life. Life. Why? Nothing will give you hope like Jesus Christ. Nothing provides joy like Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Not simply because it's Christmas Day. But listen, David, if you want an easy way to remember the day, man, this is an easy way to remember it from this day forward, right? You obey the gospel today, you'll have December 25th in your head from this point forward. We'll all remember it. (laughs) Or maybe you just need the church to pray with you, encourage you about something that's going on in your life listen if if we can help you in any of these ways or or any way you might have won't you come as we stand silence?